0: That'll be a great blessing. Let's open to uh, 1 Kings 18, 1 through 4. Years ago, I was pastoring a church and there was a young man in the church that I believed that he had a call of God on his life and he even declared that to me. Very gifted young man. He brought his mother to the church. Uh, his mother got saved. She was with a, a, a partner. Uh, he came out and got saved. Coming to the church, I had the privilege of marrying them. Things things were going well. There was real um, spiritual progress in that family. Then out of the blue, he gets a message from an old girlfriend. Old girlfriend was living overseas at that time. She's quite a bit older than him. Uh, They had some relationship in the past. And she tells him that she's become a Christian to and wants to come back to Australia and reconnect. Uh, she does. He reconnects uh, with her, brings her to church. In the process of time, they get engaged. And it's interesting, even at the bridal shower, as they're putting, doing different things, whatever the ladies do, when they were passing around certain gifts or certain articles. One of them uh, happened to be a naughty sex toy. And so this uh, lady was passing it around, this uh, lady to be engaged. And, you know, Jillian told me about that. And I said, you need to rebuke her. You know, this, we're not worldly here. We don't have that stuff uh, in our Christian events. And so that was a bit of an alarm bell. So we had to try to work through some of that. Anyway, in in the process of time, they got married. Sadly, can I say, within I believe four weeks, she had him out of the church. Within four weeks, she had him out of the church. And when I thought about that, I thought that's very tragic because I believe this man had quite a destiny and quite an anointing and calling. And what we're looking at here. There's a character in the Bible called Jezebel. This is a spirit, a spiritual dimension that seduces and targets men of God. I want to have a look at Jezebel the seductress as we're in our series Overcoming Witchcraft. Let's have a look at just a couple of verses about this personality. 1 Kings 18, one through 4. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was that while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hid them 50 to a cave and he had fed them with bread and water. I want to have a look at Jezebel the seductress. First of all, let's consider a number of attributes of this personality in Scripture. I want to first look at her speech. Her speech. We understand that Jezebel is one of the Bible's great villains. She's a real biblical bad girl. A real biblical bad girl. And if we look at back some of the backdrop of Jezebel, she's a Phoenician princess from the island city of Tyre, which is modern Lebanon. She married, probably in a political alliance, I would say, King Ahab and became the queen of Israel the queen of Israel. She worshipped the false Canaanite deity Baal and led her husband, many say, into blasphemy and apostasy against the God of Israel. Baal, for many that perhaps know or don't know, is a pagan god principally of fertility. In 1 Kings 16 verse 31 the Bible says now it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat that he took as a wife Jezebel the daughter of Ethbaal the king of the Sidonites and he went and served Baal and worshipped him the name Jezebel actually means Baal exalts Baal is husband to or unchase so she's one who introduces baal worship to israel in a major way uses her put, her position now as the queen of israel and uh, her sexuality to advance this dimension amongst god's people her first act when she takes the position of queen is in our text. She massacres the prophets of the Lord. Verse four, So it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hid them. So who were these prophets? These are young men, mostly I would say, maybe some older, that are called and anointed to speak on God's behalf. There's a dimension here. She targets them. She wants them perhaps silenced. And this is her first act as the Queen of Israel. When I talked about some of her attributes, one of the interesting articles, and as I study this out, is her speech. This article that I read, and as I looked into it, declares she talks like a man. Jezebel talks like a man. What are you talking about? Let me read this. In various biblical scenes in which Jezebel speaks, her choice of words and grammar clearly marks her as male. She talks in ways that are foreign and inappropriate for a Jewish queen. She engages in almost a sort of biblical mansplaining, forever issuing orders conveying her sense of superiority. This is where we see Jezebel and if you begin to think about it and study this out godly women how they speak Jewish godly women in the Old Testament and even the New Testament. Let me bring you an example Esther and her husband the king and Esther 5 verse 4 and Esther answered if it seems good unto the king let the king and Haman come this day to a banquet that I have prepared for him. So the commentator refers to, as Esther is speaking uh, to the king, she's not using his name or you, but rather she's using the title, the king. Esther does not speak to the king, amen. uh, She speaks to the king with respect uh, and reverence, she said, if it seems good to the king. This is not just Esther, it's Hannah to Eli, 1 Samuel 1 verse 18. And she said, let your maid servant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away uh, and ate and her face was no longer sad. Remember, this is Eli, the uh, prophet, who's just saying, uh, you know, put the drink away, uh, Hannah. And he's he's misreading the situation, but still she speaks with respect. We think of Mary, uh, as the angel of the Lord approaches her and lets her know about this miraculous child being born, uh, Luke 1, verse 38, then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This was the speech of godly women Old Testament, New Testament, but Jezebel never used this differential style, not once as you study what she speaks. Regardless of who she addresses, she's different than the Israelite women or the godly women. She sees herself as an equal or superior to everyone she addresses, even the king of Israel. In 1 Kings 21 verse 5, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him And said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money or else. If it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you shall now exercise authority over Israel rise, eat food and let your heart be cheerful, I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite and you know uh, she triggered his death not only does she never speak in any respectful tones but she despises godly authority in one king's 19, one and two. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the lives of one of them by tomorrow about this time. This is probably the greatest condemnation against Jezebel. Elijah, if you know your Bible, is one of the great prophets in the Old Testament who appeared to Jesus on Mount Transfiguration. Wasn't it Moses and Elijah? One of the greatest men, definitely of his generation, a godly man beyond measure. And here's this woman with no respect for godly authority and now she comes and threatens him. She threatens to use her position to destroy his life. She sends a message. She sends a text. You're finished. Jezebel. I'll make your life like one of them tomorrow. Just want to let you know I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. That was her statement. You know, over the years, as a pastor, I've had to deal with some just like that. I've stood sometimes at the back of the church, preached a message, and I've had some slash Jezebel type women fly at me with accusation and how dare you say this. You know, listen, I'll listen to people. But, you know, you don't do it at the back of the church when people are trying to file their way out. Can you say amen? You're making a scene. That's Jezebel right there. I'll talk to you. I'll listen. If I've done something wrong, we'll sort it out. But you know what? That's the spirit of Jezebel, isn't it? That's not just once. That's, that's a number of times. I've seen this before. Maybe you have. See, witchcraft, as i was saying, overcome witchcraft, is all about control. Getting somebody to do what you want, to control their life, even if it's not the will of God and even if it's against their best interests, but it's in your best interest, that's what witchcraft is. And this is what we see here. Jezebel, you can see it in her speech. You might have seen that this is prominent in our world today, isn't it? you get some of these activist people, ladies. Who was it? Was it Madonna? Says, I thought about blowing up the White House after a presidential election going back four years ago. That's nuts. nuts. You're out of control. They should have arrested her. She done that publicly, you know, because you just, you don't get what you want. And you're so used to dominating everybody around you and exercising witchcrafts. So when somebody pushes back, you don't like it. So her speech is number one marker. Let's have a look then at her attire. I want to declare, first of all, I'm not a clothesline preacher. I'm not preaching about what people are wearing all the time. Can you say Amen. I remembered a situation years ago when I was first saved and lots of uh, revivals going on in the early 80s and people are coming in, a lot of people coming from a hippie background, uh, you know, surfy background. People would come to church and have their surfboard just out the front, just, you know, um, seaweed still in their hair, (laughs) board shorts and and, uh, those kind of things and you know, all the girls in their surfy attire. And so, you know, I understand that for many that are newly saved, that's the only clothes they have. I remember one, one brother, he would, he would look up and down all the new uh, convert girls that would come in the church and he'd go up to them and he'd say, you know, your attire is inappropriate. It's offensive to me. You know, he'd try to run off all the new convert girls. You know, so he had to be brought into line. And we think of our history, even as our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell in the 70s. You know, you know, with their Jesus People movement, this is just coming out of the hippie uh, sexual revolution, and people were girls all miniskirts and guys in all their kind of clothes and doing their thing. And Pastor Mitchell was able to allow them to come to church. A lot of churches kept them out. You're not dressed appropriately and, and uh, you know, basically his thought was come as you are and put your trust and faith in Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? You know, a lot of churches in America and others just missed this hippie movement because they couldn't process some people looking differently. So I've laid that foundation. However, there's no doubt that when people grow Christians grow in maturity and faith they start getting a revelation about having modest apparel or they should in 1 Timothy 2 verse 9 and 10 in in in, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation not with braided hair gold or pearls or costly clothes but that which is proper for women professing godliness with good works so Barnes notes just said that which is becoming or appropriate for a godly Christian woman and so I would say that in the process of time after people get saved that we get time to you know Get some you know, clothes that are appropriate for godly people. Can you say amen? And that's reasonable. We talk about this at our weddings. We encourage our uh, bride-to-be and, and uh, those that are uh, coming up here to don't show more flesh on your wedding day than you ever do normally in church you know, perhaps a good standard is if you're a platform singer, what's appropriate to stand in front of a great uh, godly Christian body? You know, sadly, so many of the wedding dresses are just cut down the back, cut down the front, slip up there, you know, it's like, man, but you can, you you can, if you work at it, get some appropriate, uh, good-looking, Christian, modest apparel. Can you say amen? That's true in many of these areas. So I'm laying that down is that we're not overly clothesline preachers here and we're not talking about it all the time but what we see here there is a certain dress that is linked with immorality and being immoral. The Bible first mentions this in Genesis 38 verse 15. The Bible says when Judas saw her he thought she was a harlot Because she had covered her face. So this is a time when Judah himself is backslidden, you could say. And he thought that a certain woman was a harlot or prostitute because of the way she dressed or appeared. How many know that's what the Bible says? Let's then skip right to Revelation 2, verse 20 and 21. We're picking up the name Jezebel again. And Jesus is speaking, Jezebel is in the church. Let me read it to you. Nevertheless, Jesus said, I have a few things against you because you've allowed that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things... Sacrifice to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, but she did not repent. Jesus is talking and it's it's the same name. I don't believe it's the same person who somehow time traveled, but it's the same spirit, isn't it? What many times you see in the Old Testament, there's types. Shadows and types that we see in the New Testament. So, this Jezebel, her speech, her attire, her attitude, we can also see that in the New Testament. It's played out in life. John Wesley said that Jezebel, a man, uh, seems to uh, entice people into immorality and fornication, just as Balaam did. We looked at Balaam last week that couldn't curse the people. He was a prophet for hire, but he said, this is what you can do to bring God's people down. You can get them involved in sexual sin. So it says that we see here, John Wesley says, he says, they first enticed, she enticed people in the church to idolatry and then afterwards to fornication. The idea is that Jezebel seduces men away from wholehearted worship of God through her sexual behavior in the church and leads them to other compromises. In 2 Kings 9 verse 30, and when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. She put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through the window. If you know this story, Jehu was God's instrument of judgment on the house of Ahab. God had called him, he was zealous to deal with Ahab, his ungodliness, Jezebel, the whole thing. And so as he's just dealt with uh, Ahab uh, and now he's coming to Jezreel uh, and uh, Jezebel hears about it. So what does she do? She puts on all the makeup. She puts on all the lure because she knows that that's how she can seduce. He's on a mission from God, but she can divert him. She's thinking. She's probably done that her whole life. She's done that the whole time she's been in Israel so she knows what to do and she flatters her eyes she paints herself and she's looking at Jehu's down there and thankfully Jehu didn't fall for it but she knows what to do she tries to seduce him by her words and her appearance I mean, can I say, just in closing on this point of our attire, for church people, and maybe I'll just mention those that have been brought up in church. God bless you and you have a great privilege and opportunity. But if you're now mature as a Christian, it's not right to wear dresses that are so short that it's when you sit down you have to really work at it. to keep it down. Or so tight there's nothing left to the imagination. Or so, this is Good Wednesday night preaching, Pastor. (laughs) Or so low cut that your brother in Christ has to look away. That's not right, is it? And people are embarrassed. Remember what we would say, the modesty test. You know, if you're at home with dad, we call it the dad test, don't we? Dad's there. You know, he's down the living room. You come from your room and you've got this latest hot-looking number on. And he goes, honey, you're not going to church like that. You're going to have to do a bit more covering up than that. Amen? Because that's the dad test. Well, what about... Okay, what about... But she just thinks it's cute. And probably she's got a lot of, you know, those flamey hot things they do on emojis. She's so hot, isn't she? She's already sent a picture to all her girlfriends. Or what about if you're married now? And, you know, you as a, a, a good husband say, honey, I love that dress in the home. It's kind of like a night dress, isn't it? but look, that's not going to work. What are you talking about? I'm so cute. Yeah, I know. I love you. Amen. You can wear whatever you want at home. Let the games begin. Amen. (laughs) We call it the husband test. Remember, those things are important and that can help us. Okay, we want to look then finally... (laughs) escaping Jezebel. Can I, this, ladies, this is not just for you. Can I make a a statement here? There is no Jezebel without an Ahab. There is no Jezebel without an Ahab. I'm going to explain that in a minute. The two biblical figures that are more synonymous with evil than anybody else is Judas, Iscariot, and Jezebel. For more than 2,000 years, they have evolved as enduring symbols of male treachery and female depravity. Another writer says, without question, one of the nastiest, evil, most disgusting, cunning, seducing spirits in Satan's armory would have to be what many call the Jezebel spirit. This evil spirit has been responsible not only for tearing down churches, pastors, different Christian ministries, but has also been responsible for breaking up many marriages and friendships. I want to say again, there is no Jezebel without Ahab. What is Ahab? Ahab is a weak, compromising, half-backslidden leader who never stood up for God, for the kingdom, for righteousness, and never gave any boundaries in his home. She's out of control in home, and she's and she's loosed on God's people Israel. I read you the text. And Jezebel massacred. Look at the word it uses. Massacred. The prophets of the Lord. And Ahab allowed that. She killed Naboth, a righteous man, to seize his vineyard. She threatens the greatest man of God in a generation and of the two Old Testament people of Mount Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, that's who she threatens. And her husband never brings any check or balance to her. Never says, honey, take a chill pill. Calm down, that's not right. You've got a wrong heart and spirit here. I love you, but this is not right. See, there's no Jezebel without an Ahab. She's a strong woman. She's come in from outside the kingdom of Israel. She probably doesn't know how godly Christian women should live. And he doesn't help her. He doesn't guide her. He doesn't give her boundaries. He doesn't show her by exampleship. So I'm preaching now to Ahab. There's no Jezebel without an Ahab. Do you know, if Ahab would have been the man of God that he should have, we could have seen a totally different story for Jezebel. You know, there's nothing wrong with strong women. I married a strong woman. My wife's smart and intelligent. She's watching live stream. So I'm going to get a... She's with the uh, grandson. So... You know, all of those things, I realized I had to pull up my socks and put on my A game if I'm ever going to be a leader in my home. What about you? Nothing wrong with strong women. God bless them. Smart, intelligent. But, you know, if if there's no boundaries, if there's no father boundaries, no husband boundaries, no Christian boundaries, something ugly begins to be released. This is what we see here. And Jesus said in Revelation 2 verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. This is Jesus. It's in red. He's speaking in this revelation. He's speaking to a church. What what does he have against him? Because you've allowed that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. In the church, this woman's got profile and influence. And there's a certain looseness to her disposition, the way she dresses, the way she speaks, the way she comes across. And she's releasing something in the church. The reason why we speak on these things and look on those things is because whether it's Balaam the prophet for hire, whether it's the other people that I've spoken about they coming and there's an arm wrestle in God's church in the kingdom for righteousness and holiness see Jezebel targets the anointing and godly men and the Bible says that in Revelation chapter 2 Jesus said the church pastor the leadership you've allowed this this shouldn't be so, this attire, this words, and this influence. One of them quickly look about keeping safe. We understand in espionage the terminology is honeypot, which is a trap that set usually a female that creates a sexual or romantic relationship to compromise a target. One of our really successful pastors and evangelist, Pastor Roman Gutierrez, he talked about before he got saved, he met a woman at a party. This woman was a lot older than him. She taunted him. She says, you know, what's wrong with you? Afraid of women. She tried to put on the sexual appeal and he said as a sinner, you know, he slept with her and, and he forgot about it. He didn't see her for years later. And then when he see her again, his mind's consumed about marrying her. His mother and others warn him against that, and, but he goes ahead, he's just consumed. I need to marry this woman. He goes ahead to marry, and he marries her, and he said, "It was hell on earth." I started finding strange witchcraft stuff under the bed. Just weird stuff. He said he was divorced after four months. He said his auntie told him later that uh, both that woman and her mother were witches. Putting a spell on him, seeking to destroy his life. See, Jezebel is a seductress who targets men of God. Pastor Greg Mitchell tells the story of the most fruitful man he ever pastored. This man was in the church, got saved was just bringing people into the church. A powerful anointing, very charismatic, very skilled, fruitful man. And uh, he said, one day at work, there was a colleague at work, a lady got him in a back storeroom, pinned him there and said, you know, let's get it on. And, you know, he'd resisted this woman, but she kept on pressing him. He submitted to that, got involved in that and lost his anointing, lost his soul winning, lost obviously even today his salvation. You know, that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. What we're dealing with there is a seductive spirit. She massacred the prophets of the Lord. Solomon warns us in closing, Proverbs 7 verse 1, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments to you. Verse 5, that you may keep yourself from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. And in verse 10, there was a woman that met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious And her feet would not stay at home. Verse 21 of that same chapter. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. And with her flattering lips, she seduced him. Verse 26. And she has cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. You know, the wisdom here of Solomon is a warning for all strong men. These prophets of the Lord, strong men. There's a seductive spirit that wants to target your future, your gifting, your anointing with God. We need to recognize that. We need to recognize. And in our text, in Proverbs 7, verse 1, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. So with all these characters that we've looked at so far on these three Wednesdays, they've infiltrated the church. But I want to say I'm preaching this series on overcoming, overcoming witchcraft. I want our strong men to make it in the long term. I want them to overcome. I'm wanting there to be a covering and a blessing for all our godly women and we want to see in the scripture, amen, about Jezebel, she is the seductress, and we can overcome and have the victory. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer.